Welcome to Room 106. I'm John Gagan from Planning Magazine. Every week, we enter Room 106, the underground depository of all new planning information, and extract the key things you need to know. This week, we're going to look at new government guidance that aims to resolve a debate in the sector over how the proposed new four-year housing land supply target for councils with advanced but not adopted local plans will work. We'll also look at the latest ministerial intervention in a council's local plan process and new government guidance for local authorities on mitigating pollution from new development into protected waterways. And we'll be rounding up the other key news from the past week. And hopefully I'm going to find a few colleagues currently toiling inside Room 106 to talk about all this. By the end of the show, you should have a firm grip on the latest goings-on in the planning sector. Right, time to face the music and enter Room 106. Here I go. So, now I'm inside. It's as dark and unwelcoming as ever. I need to find my colleagues. Ah, here's our Insight Editor, Samantha Eckford. Hello, Sam. Hello. And over there is Alex King, our reporter. Hello, Alex. Hello, John. But where's our online editor, Toby Porter? Oh, there he is. Hello, Toby. Hi, John. Alex, I'll turn to you first. You're going to talk about new government guidance on housing land supply targets, which follows uncertainty in the sector about how a change to national planning policy should be interpreted. So it's quite a technical issue, so we're going to have to... You have to explain it as clearly as you can. Firstly, can you give us the background to all this? Yes, of course. So just to provide a recap for listeners, in December, the government revised paragraph 226 of the National Planning Policy Framework so that councils that have adopted a local plan within the past five years were not required to publish an annual five-year housing land supply. Additionally, the new framework states that councils that have an emerging plan at the Regulation 18 or Regulation 19 formal consultation stages, or have submitted one for examination, need only identify a four-year supply of housing sites. These changes were designed to act as an incentive to councils to continue plan making and to get their plans submitted for examination and adopted as soon as possible. However, they have created a great deal of uncertainty in the planning sector as to whether authorities subject to the reduced housing land supply requirement have to demonstrate a four-year supply of deliverable housing sites against a four-year target or a five-year target. Okay, so what exactly was this disagreement over? So some planning barristers had argued that authorities subject to the reduced housing land supply requirement only had to demonstrate a four-year supply of deliverable housing sites against a four-year housing requirement on the basis that the revised NPPF did not explicitly state that the new requirement should be measured against a five-year requirement. Other planning barristers countered that although the revised MPPF was ambiguous, the government had intended for the new requirement to be demonstrated against a five-year housing supply requirement, and that there were, in any case, legal precedents for assessing reduced housing land supply against a five-year housing land supply requirement where there was ambiguity in planning policy documents. Okay, so why exactly does this matter? As Zach Simons of Landmark Chambers pointed out in his blog on this, A four-year supply measured against a five-year requirement target would not necessarily translate into a four-year supply measured against a four-year target. 
For example, in January, we reported on the fact that St Albans District Council became one of the first local authorities to produce a housing land supply figure based on the reduced four-year target. The council said it could demonstrate a 1.7-year supply of housing land against a four-year requirement. A spokesman for the council told planning that its four-year housing land supply position was proportionally higher than its five-year position. As of the 1st of April 2023, the authority could identify 1.7 years of sites deliverable within four years, equivalent to 42.5% of its requirement, compared to 1.9 years of sites deliverable within five years, equivalent to 38% of its requirement. So it could cause potential problems depending on how you're sort of measuring this target. And of course, because housing land supply positions are so important for councils where they're sort of in a marginal position around the the five-year mark, or in some cases the four-year mark, then this can make a real difference, I guess. Okay, so what approach have local authorities been taking? Are they, are they using the four-year or the five-year requirement? Well, we've seen councils adopt both approaches. So as I mentioned, St Albans have produced a housing land supply figure based on the reduced four-year target. On the other hand, we've seen LPAs publish new housing land supply positions against a five-year requirement. So Dorset Council, for instance, recently published a new four-year housing land supply position, which stated it could deliver a 3.9-year supply of deliverable housing sites in the area formerly under the jurisdiction of East Dorset District Council between 2023 and 2028. OK, so clearly there are some different approaches being taken by councils, and now the government has has stepped in to try and clarify the position. So what, what exactly has it done? How has it tried to resolve this? The government did this by updating its planning practice guidance on housing supply and delivery on Monday the 5th of February to clarify how councils should interpret the new housing land supply requirement. The updated guidance states that both the five-year housing land supply and the four-year housing land supply that authorities should demonstrate for decision-making should consist of deliverable housing sites demonstrated against the authority's five-year housing land supply requirement, including the appropriate buffer. In a letter to Council Chief Planning Officers accompanying the update to the guidance, the government's chief planner, Joanna Averley, said that the guidance now confirms that the new four-year housing land supply requirement will be based on the performance against five-year housing land supply and not an alternative calculation. Averley added that the government intended on publishing further housing supply and delivery guidance in due course which will set out how past oversupply can be considered by authorities who are calculating their five-year housing land supply position, as well as wider updates to ensure that the position in the revised NPPF is fully reflected in guidance. Thanks very much for that, Alex. Toby... Turning to you, you've been looking at the latest ministerial intervention in a council's local plan. We've seen a spate of these in recent months. This is the fourth such intervention, right? Yes. Lee Rowley, the housing minister, has intervened in a fourth council's local plan process and his third in the past three months. Rowley has directed Liberal Democrat-controlled Mole Valley District Council in Surrey not to withdraw its local plan just hours before it was set to debate a motion to do so. In a letter to Liberal Democrat council leader Stephen Cooksey, Rowley noted that the authority last adopted a plan in 2009, over 14 years ago. He said that the withdrawal of the plan at this 
quote, a very advanced stage of preparation, with the consultation on main modifications about to begin, would, he said, extend the period in which the council has had no up-to-date local plan in place. Okay, so this local plan is currently undergoing examination, right? Yes, the authority submitted its local plan for examination in February 2022. The plan proposes a housing target of 353 homes a year, significantly lower than the council's annual local housing need figure of 456. In June last year, inspectors agreed, for the third time, to pause the examination into the strategy until changes to the national planning policy framework had been finalised. The authority had been set to consider withdrawal of the document at an extraordinary council meeting on Thursday, 25th of January. Okay, so what did Rowley's letter say? Well, his letter, dated January 25th, said that given the council's proposed intention to vote on withdrawing the plan, consideration has been given to the steps that can be taken in connection with the failure to have an up-to-date plan in place, including intervention by the Secretary of State. Rowley said that the authority had, in quote, not performed well against the housing delivery test and that housing affordability is a significant problem in the area. He said the plan's withdrawal would constitute a clear failure and would only lead to significant further delay whilst a new plan is prepared, concluding that intervention would have the greatest impact in accelerating local plan production. Okay, and how has the council responded? Well, in its statement issued before the meeting, Liberal Democrat Councillor Margaret Cooksey, Cabinet Member for Planning at the Authority, said before Rowley's intervention, three options have been available to the Authority. Option A, withdrawal of the plan. Option B, continuation of the plan as, as submitted. And option C, would have seen the Authority ask the inspector to remove all Greenbelt sites from the plan. However, Cooksey said Rowley's direction, in quotes, takes option A away from us and requires Mole Valley District Council to report monthly to the Minister's officials on the progress of the examination. She added it will remain in force until the examination concludes with the inspector's report. The Council voted in favour of option B, meaning it will progress with the plan as it is. Right, so we've seen a real pattern recently with government interventions to force councils to push ahead with their local plans. So we've had four, and as you say, three in the past three months. Indeed, Mole Valley is the latest authority to be subject to a ministerial intervention in its local plan process. It joins Erewash Borough Council, ordered by Rowley in November, not to withdraw its core strategy, exercising intervention powers contained in the 2004 Planning and Compulsory Purchase Act. He also ordered West Berkshire District Council not to withdraw its strategy just before Christmas. In September, Spelthorne Borough Council was ordered by his predecessor, Rachel McLean, not to withdraw its plan. OK, thanks, Toby. It sounds like there may be more councils in line for this intervention, given the rate at which the government's been doing it in recent months. Sam, finally, you've been looking at new government guidance that aims to resolve the so-called nutrient neutrality saga, which is this problem that's been caused by 
guidance from Natural England to ensure that local authorities mitigate pollution from new development into protected waterways, which has had the effect of holding up housing permissions. So what's happened in this case? So the government has outlined 16 sensitive catchment areas in which water companies will be required to upgrade wastewater treatment works in a bid to unlock these homes that, as you say, are held up by this logjam. Um, And it's also said that local planning authorities should assume that these improvements will have been made by 2030 when they're assessing planning applications. The 16 areas identified are all areas described by DEFRA as being sensitive for phosphorus or nitrogen and as being in an unfavourable condition. Each area identified is either a special protection area, a special area of conservation or a site of special scientific interest. Okay, so what's the background to this? So this is, of course, to do with the ongoing issue of nutrient neutrality. So following a landmark European court ruling in 2018, government agency Natural England issued advice directing councils not to approve development that would add to the nutrient pollution in watercourses in protected habitats where the site is already deemed to be in an unfavourable condition. Up to 145,000 homes are currently blocked from coming forward as a result of these rules or this guidance, according to the Home Builders Federation's latest estimate. Okay, so what does this guidance mean for councils and developers? So in the policy paper in which these 16 areas were revealed, DEFRA said that in these newly designated catchments, water companies would now have a duty to ensure wastewater treatment works serving a population of over 2,000 people meet specified nutrient removal standards by the 1st of April 2030. It said that competent authorities, which includes local planning authorities, are now required to consider that the nutrient pollution standard will be met by the upgrade date for the purposes of environmental assessments, um, known as habitats regulations assessments. So this applies when they're considering planning proposals for development, which drains into a wastewater treatment works subject to the upgrade and came into force on Thursday, the 25th of January, the date the policy paper was published. While this does appear to be a step in the right direction towards unlocking these sites in a way in which ensures that environmental standards are protected, it does not appear to be a comprehensive solution for either councils or for developers. So James Stevens, who's a director at the Home Builders Federation, welcomed the attempt to mitigate what he described as the disproportionate moratorium on development in these areas, but criticised the ongoing failure of government to find a broader solution to the issue. He said that requiring water companies to upgrade these treatment works would help to reduce the necessary mitigation for some developments, but was not a comprehensive solution. Um, This is because, he said, some wastewater treatment works just can't be upgraded. And he said that the sub-2000 population exemption would affect many schemes, requiring developers to pay more into credit schemes for which there remains limited availability. Obviously, this has been a problem for a long time now for... um councils and developers in the areas affected, particularly house builders. Um, There was a bill that the government wanted to bring forward that um, it hasn't been able to, to address this. So we'll um, keep our eyes out out for any further measures that are coming to try and and solve this issue. Alex, turning to you again, you're going to bring our listeners up to date on some of the other key news stories from the past week, right? Yes. So up first, a judge has quashed Exeter City Council's consent for a 350 home development, concluding that a planning officer's advice to committee members on a proposed access route to the site was, quote, seriously misleading. In other news, the government has expanded the scope of biodiversity gain enhancement measures to include habitats of medium distinctiveness, observers warn it remains to be seen how strict local planning authorities will be in requiring developers to stick to it. 
Elsewhere, we reported that three planning appeals that would have seen nearly 500 homes built on Greenbelt land in Essex and Hertfordshire have been dismissed by planning inspectors within a few days of each other. Despite the authorities concerned, say Albans City and District Council, Hartsmere Borough Council and Basildon Borough Council, falling significantly short of their housing land supply targets. Meanwhile, a High Court judge has handed down a suspended four-month jail sentence to a landowner for his flagrant disregard of planning controls, following long-running unlawful activity on an ancient woodland site within an area of outstanding natural beauty. In another significant court judgment, a judge has quashed Cornwall Council's decision to discharge a planning condition linked to a permission for a nine-home development ruling that the authority did not grapple with the requirements set out in the developer's ecological appraisal relating to the replacement of a section of hedgerow. And finally, Western Homes, the developer behind a controversial 1,100 home regeneration scheme in Norwich city centre, has withdrawn from the project after spending eight years and £7.5 million on the project, blaming intervention by the Conservative government and a series of planning delays that means it is no longer viable. Okay, thanks again, Alex. Some notable court judgments there. Of course, listeners can read more on all those stories at planningresource.co.uk. Well, I think my work here is just about done. I'm going to get out before there are any more announcements or decisions. Well, that's another fortnight of news summarised. We'll be back with a bonus edition next week when we take a deep dive looking at the big policy and legal changes that affect the planning sector in the year ahead. In the meantime, if you aren't a Romano 6 subscriber already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. And to get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. If you haven't already, don't forget to enter the planning awards and give yourself and your team the opportunity to get the recognition that their work deserves. The deadline is 29th of February. Our thanks to producer Inga Marsden from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink. And thank you all for listening. See you next week.